Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Happy Family Day to you. Hey, I just came from upstairs to the legislature, and I didn't know this, but it's. I thought the building would be closed today, but it's open. Oh, okay. And there's hundreds of people up there, because so it's a kid-friendly day at the legislature. So if you're in Victoria and you got young children, come by the ledge. There's dinosaur exhibits. There's a, a beaver something going on there. There's just all these interactions. beaver things. something <laughs> going on. Okay. A beaver pelt. That sounds you great. Can, you can pet. But there's lots of little <laughs> kids here. So I didn't think the building was open today, but you and I are down in the basement. Yeah. All the lights are off. It's kind of yes. spooky down here. It there's is. a lot of life upstairs. There's a lot of fun upstairs. That's nice they opened the building on family yeah. day, right? And family-oriented exhibits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good suggestion there. All right. Kevin Falcon was my first guest on the show. We talked about the housing plan that he put out. We saw dueling housing plans last week yeah. from the NDP and the opposition. The election approaching in the fall. Let's listen to Falcon here. Now, I, I pointed out to him that you know the NDP is is tearing apart this plan. He had a lot of interesting stuff in there. I thought though, rent to own, mm-hmm. getting rid of the property transfer tax on homes up to a million bucks, getting rid of the PST on new home construction. So a lot of interesting stuff. And of course, he takes the he takes his shots right back at the NDP. Let's listen to him here. A fundamental principle that I've been trying to educate the NDP about, which they don't understand, and that is. If you want housing to be more affordable, you have to make it less expensive. You cannot just keep adding taxes, costs, regulatory burden, and it's somehow expected the other end that housing is going to get more affordable. I'm not sure how his plan makes it more affordable, though. I didn't hear know. anything there. Oh, you didn't hear that? No. Oh, that's 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 very unusual. Um, but, but I, I, yeah, so his plan. I think his plan has some interesting aspects to it. I think there's a little more clarity to his plan than yeah. the NEP's. Um, build BC, uh, still a, a little sketchy in the, the details, how that's going to work. But, you know, his plan, rent to own, is pretty, you know, yeah. understandable, yeah. I think, for a lot of people. Waiving PST, uh, you know, tinkering with the property transfer tax. This has become an addictive source of revenue for governments, yeah. including his former government, Yes, to be clear here. Um, the BC Liberals and the NDP are v- very much addicted to that transfer uh, property transfer tax first brought in by Bill Vanderzam um, because it's you know approaching two billion dollars a year you know when it was first envisioned it wasn't really a, a huge revenue stream but it has become a big revenue stream so Falcon wants to start making some moves with that okay I, I well, still think he's going to push the NDP onto his turf when it comes to some of these housing initiatives uh, like rent to own. Or, or get yeah. rid of the prop, get rid of yeah. the uh, PST. I, I think you know a smart political party will steal the best idea, of, best idea of sure. ideas of its opponents. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens here. How crucial is housing and housing issues in this election? Do you think? Well, you know, <clears throat> if the landscape remains as it is, I'm not sure any issue really matters. You yeah. know, the, the BC United and BC Conservatives are punching each other in the face, yeah. and uh, to the NDP's delight. Yeah. So unless that situation changes, the NDP's got a cakewalk in front of it, and no, no issue is going to really matter. But I still the think lead is just that big. The lead is that big, and the yeah. other guys are so they're split, split and disorganized. Yeah. It's hard to see. But you know, I, I have to give BC United credit and Falcon credit. I think that was a pretty good announcement from them. Last yeah. year. It came the same week they're losing Mike DeYoung. Yeah, um, they're stalwart uh, MLA in Abbotsford West. But I've got to call him out today. Point out, Diong was there at the beginning. It was Diong's win in 1994 that helped put that free enterprise coalition together. Um, and it took another election to actually form power. But that stamped out the Social Credit Party and made the BC Liberals the alternative to the NDP. 
Now we're seeing De Jong leave with eight other colleagues, uh, which is extraordinary, uh, which means the VC United Party loses the incumbency advantage, which is crucial or potentially crucial in a fight not only with the NDP, with the, but with the B.C. Conservative Party. And that leaves his riding vulnerable to the NDP winning. Yeah, the, boy, it really is a fascinating situation. We've got, like, B.C. politics. The the, the, gra- the landscape is just changing yeah. as we watch it here unfold. Let's listen to, let's talk about the uh, B.C. Uh, energy plan here. And I had with Barry Penner. Yeah, I had Penner on. So Penner is interesting. So he's part of this initiative called Energy Futures Energy Futures Initiative, which is basically saying that, Okay, we want to reduce emissions. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. We need to electrify more. Yeah, that's terrific too. But we're importing 20% of our power right now mm-hmm. at a time when the government is saying we need to electrify the economy. We have these super hyper-aggressive targets here to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the province. Let's listen to Penner here about whether we can actually meet these emission targets here. Here he is. Well, I have a prediction to make. I don't think we'll be meeting those targets. And that's the sad truth. We do need to reduce emissions, absolutely. But it's proving to be much more challenging to transition away from our traditional energy sources than than I had hoped. Uh, it yeah. is a tall order. Yeah. So he basically says that um, you know, don't forget he was an envi- he was the environment minister in BC. Got yeah. a lot of these emission reduction targets started. So he's saying that realistically, though, can these be met? It doesn't. It certainly does not seem like they're realistic targets. Not at all. And again, it goes back to you know, replacing dirty power or emissions with clean power. And when we've got record low reservoir levels, and not just in BC, but right through the Western United States, which means we can't import clean power. Yeah. Uh, um, it's going to have to be coal fired or, or so called dirty power. And that's natural gas plants. That's a great conundrum yeah. we're facing in BC. For years, for generations, we relied on you know the legacy power of BC Hydro, all hydroelectric dams, yeah. um, which is great. But now the, the drought has caused a severe impact. So BC Hydro is going to have a power call, I think, within a couple soon. months, yeah. very soon. It's going to be almost entirely wind power, our understanding. Um, but you know, south of the border, we've talked about this before. There's a massive wind farm being proposed in Washington State, huge local opposition to it because, again, it's in their backyard. Wind farm is not, um, you know, huge wind turbines. They're noisy, they're big, they're unsightly, and residents don't want them. So we'll see what happens in B.C. Right now, my understanding is the wind farms would be uh, located generally in the Peace River area, which is sparsely populated. But we'll see what the population uh, locally feels about that. But again, electricity supply is a crucial issue facing BC. Whether it's emission targets, whether it's electric vehicle targets, whether it's just the general electrification of so much of society, not just homes, but um, mines, uh, mills, all sorts of emission uh, uh, emitters. Uh, trying to turn to electricity when we don't have enough electricity. We've been we've been trying to drive down these greenhouse gas emissions in the province for well over a decade, and we barely moved the needle here. We're down Baby like a steps. we're down like a couple of points. Yeah. And then you look at this government official plan, which is to reduce emissions by forty percent in the next six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this just looks. <laughs> Like who's fooling who here? Yeah. Are you who are we trying to kid here? Targets- but then at the same time, you've got the BC Utilities Commission saying like, "Well, we can't have any more natural gas pipelines." They they blocked that pipeline expansion yeah, from Fortis in, in the Okanagan. 
because we've got to reduce our emissions. Well, who are we kidding here? No one's going to meet. We're not going to meet these targets. A lot of these emission targets were set before the drought um, yeah. was set, set in and prolonged drought. People thought, well, drought one year, it'll be, it'll be better the next year. Well, it's not. It's, it's prolonged. It's continuing. And uh, as long as it continues, the more elusive those uh, reaching those targets are going to be. Okay, let's finish up with, um, <laughs> in the next segment, we're going to be talking about municipal governments that are getting on board this plan to sue big oil companies yeah. for climate change. So this is, a, now, the city of Port Moody uh, is saying they're looking at this and they're willing to put money into it. The city council in Slocan, just unanimously voted to join this lawsuit. Saanich is has instructed staff unan- in a unanimous vote, Saanich City Council, to take a look at joining this lawsuit against big oil, recover the cost of climate change. Squ- the city of Squamish has already said that they will do this. I-, I talked to the mayor of Port Coquitlam about it last week on the show, Megan Lottie, uh, uh, and she said, here she is talking about how much this will cost taxpayers in Port Moody to get on this lawsuit. Let's listen. Ours would be about 35000 and it's a one-time commitment, so it's $35,000. And, you know, when you look at the fact that we've got over $8 million in our future budgets to, yeah. to deal with climate change, it, it seems like a, a very small what? risk or a great okay. benefit. Megan Lottie, the mayor of Port Moody. If I said Port Coquitlam, then I yeah. got that wrong. Port Brad, Moody. Brad, Brad West will be phoning in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Brad, Brad West is entirely opposite of this. Yeah, because Brad West be. is, this is not Brad West type of thing. He, he, he is basically, uh, do the basics. Yeah. So you're not, you're not the United Nations in this famous phrase. Yeah. So again, I'm not sure. At, at a time when councils are raising property tax, taxes, eight, nine, 10, 11 percent a year, you really want to spend? And she says it's thirty-five thousand dollars. Thirty-five thousand. Well, we'll see when the lawyers' bills come back. Whether it's thirty-five thousand, there's these budgets tend to go. Well, over. they would share. The idea is you would share it with all these other municipalities. Strength in numbers. I think a lot of lawyers would see this as a way to have a lot of billable hours, and that share would be of a much bigger pot than what they're looking at. The way she described it to me was: this is worth this is worth a gamble. You know, okay, it's thirty-five thousand bucks, but if you win, you hit the jackpot. If these big oil companies are required to pay you millions of dollars in damages. I don't see any evidence to support they're going to hit the jackpot here. No. No. I think it's a a fool's errand. Okay, it is Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Alex and Langley. Hi, Alex. Go ahead. I can't believe what I'm hearing. The the municipal government wants to go after the big oil. Yes. It's crazy. I mean, do they all not drive cars? (laughs) <laughs> All it's going to do is make prices go. I can't already can't afford to drive. My mom, fortunately, she's able to help me. Otherwise, if it wasn't for her, God bless her, I would not be able to afford to drive. And come in April, it's going to be even more money. Yeah. Thank I you. Thank you. So stupid. Thank you for the call. I think a lot of people have that reaction. I think a lot of people would have that reaction, particularly. I'm sure when you look at these municipalities that are suing big oil, they probably have municipal parking lots where all the councillors park that are completely. Well, full. I said that to the mayor of Port Moody the other day. I mean, you've got gas-powered garbage trucks and municipal vehicles, yeah. and you're 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 burning natural fossil fuels to heat heat your rec centers, and and you you've got staff that occasionally I'm I'm certain will drive around town or even fly on airplanes to get the meetings. So I said, are, are are you going to include the city of Port Moody as a defendant in this lawsuit <laughs> for contributing to climate change? No, no, no. This is we're going after big oil. No, no. no there's a there's a hypocrisy there uh, when it comes. I mean, they should follow Brad West's 
um, view, which is why he's popular in Port Coquillum. Do the basics. You know, fill, fill the potholes. Fill the potholes. Yeah. Collect the garbage. Michael in Coquitlam. Hi, Michael. Go ahead. Mike and Keith, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have sure. to think that uh, agree with you that the BC and Mike that the BC NDP uh, climate goals are unrealistic. So I'm starting to prefer um, Kevin Falcon and the BC United Party. And I'm from Coquitlam, where uh, Selena Robinson is apparently going to be retiring. So I think you know the BC United Party has a good chance in Coquitlam Mallardville. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, we'll see what happens if the B.C. Conservatives run a candidate there. Yeah, so, I mean, with Selena Robinson retiring, that robs the NDP of the incumbency advantage, which is significant. That is traditionally an NDP seat, although Liberals have had it in the past, but um, that's usually very friendly to the NDP. I'd be surprised if it goes outside of the NDP, but, you know, without the incumbent, anytime an incumbent steps down, that writing's in play. But it's that right-wing split, like you said. Yeah. Like, if there's a split vote between B.C. United and B.C. Conservative, which is it's setting up, like, a classic it, it, vote split. Exactly. Particularly in that writing, which is a strong NDP to begin with. Yeah. I mean, the NDP is going to win some writings. This, this vote split uh, continues or plays out. You're going to see the NDP win some seats with less than 40% of the vote. Yeah. Which yeah. is what, they, what they, happened Because their opponents are divided. Yeah. Tom and Ladner. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, Mike and Keith, if you guys look out the window from Victoria there, last time I checked, there's four tides a day. And, you know, this, there's all this uh, talk about wind and solar. Here in the BC, BC coast, you know, today there's a 12-foot tide. Let's do some innovation there. And, like, there's potential energy there, like, co- coming out of, out of our ears, right? Tidal power. Thank you for the call. I mean, I have heard talk about tidal power, but I've never seen anything. Actually. No, but, yeah, it, it seems to be more in the conceptual phase than yeah. maybe Barry, Barry Penner knows more about that. But I think, and, and the problem with wind and solar, of course, it's not 100% reliable, um, but it's going to have to be part of the system along with hydro. But it is a critical situation with these dam reservoirs down at historically low levels. And it's not just us. Look at... Um, Lake Mead, Lake Powell in the United States behind those, the Colorado River is dropping significantly. So, again, the entire western part of North America has a severe drought problem. Yeah. And that has an adverse impact on electricity supply. Yeah. Hugh in Parksville. Hi, Hugh. Go ahead. Oh, oh good morning. Oh, thanks for taking my call. I wanted sure. to talk about energy briefly. Uh, electricity is a, high, a very high form of energy. Uh, heat is a very low form of energy. Uh, one of the most destructive things we're doing is, is is trying to convert, eliminate natural gas for heating and replace it with electric heating, either by heat pump or direct. When you convert uh, natural gas for heat, burn it, it it's 95% of that goes into heat. The, the very little waste goes up there a plastic tubing for the ventilation. So obviously this does a good job. When you, okay. you, when you burn natural gas to make electricity or anything, hydrocarbon to make electricity, you're lucky to get a, a third of that into electricity. You lose, the effic- you lose the efficiency. I got you. Thank you for that. 20 seconds. Well, I think circumstances will dictate a shift in government policy when it comes to the use of natural gas. It's not going to be eliminated. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.